Acts chapter 20. If you're new to Manoa Community Church, we are going to wrap up briefly. We will pick up the book of Acts starting in the middle of January, but Christmas is starting next week, and so we are going to launch into that Christmas preaching series, The Christmas Carols, and that is about the original playlist of the birth of Jesus, Mary's Magnificat, and all the other songs and poems that came out of Luke's gospel. So we'll be in Luke's gospel starting next Sunday. Today we're kind of putting a bow at the end of Acts chapter 20, because this is wrapping up Paul's third missionary journey. We've been in a preaching series called Life on Mission, and this is the third part of this sermon where Paul is doing his farewell address to a group of leaders in the church in Ephesus. They're called elders, to these Ephesian elders. This is the only address in the book of Acts where Paul is preaching, Paul is teaching to Christians. And so we get a sermon of Paul where he's saying goodbye to these leaders that he's poured into for three years. And he's on his way to Jerusalem, as we saw from that video, and the Holy Spirit has already prepared him ahead of time that it's not going to go well for him, Jerusalem. In fact, he's already aware that this is the last time that he will see these dear leaders, these dear friends of his, This is the last time they will ever see face-to-face on this side of eternity. These are his final words to them. They may one day read one of his letters, hopefully the letter to the Ephesians and so forth, but this is it. There are tears shed at the end of the sermon, as we'll see. And the final thing that he tells them to do is to take care. And so I call today's sermon, Care for God's Church. We're going to be preaching through verses 28 to 38 to finish out the chapter. To get us started, I will begin in verse 25 just to give some context, and then we will drop over to verse 36. I'll give you the verbal cue. So follow along. It's on the screen as well. Chapter 20, verse 25. Paul now says this, And now, behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Now, today's text. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Verse 36. When he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all, and they embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word that he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. Care for God's church. Let's pray. But Father, as we open your holy word, We pray, Spirit of God, that you would come now and open our ears, open our hearts, open our eyes, and open our minds to receive from your word. That, Spirit of God, that you would speak to us through your word. Give us ears to hear, we pray, O God. And God, I pray that as we look at the heart of the Apostle Paul for the church of God, and ultimately, Lord, your heart for your church, which you purchase with your own blood, us, your blood-bought people, Lord, that our hearts would be stirred to care for the church that you have purchased and to care for one another with your great love. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Take care. You ever find yourself saying that 
after you say farewell to somebody, take care, <laughs> right? Take care. Or the longer expression, take care of yourself. I will, right? <laughs> We're good at taking care of ourselves because every day we are us, right? <laughs> and it's interesting as Paul wraps up his sermon here to the Ephesian elders where he's poured into this church for three years. What we see him tell us to do here, verse 28, he says, pay careful attention. You see that to yourselves, to all the flock, which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God. The final thing that he wants to say to these church leaders and by extension to the church and by extension to all of us is to take care of the church to take care of God's church in our lives. When he is absent, he has cared well for the church. He wants the leaders to know, he wants the church to know that they are important and to take care of the church. And so today in this sermon, as we wrap up chapter 20, I want to discuss the three ways that we learn to take care of God's church from Acts chapter 20, from Paul's farewell address. So if you're taking notes, three ways to care for the church. The first way that we care for God's church is we protect God's flock. We protect God's flock, and this comes out of verses 28 through 31. I'll reread verse 28 and then go down to 31. Pay careful attention, remember he said, to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish anyone with tears. Everyone with tears. The first way... Paul tells us, inspired by the Spirit, that we take care of the church, that we care for the church as we protect God's flock. Now, this group is a unique group. These are the elders. Our church is Presbyterian. Presbyteros is the word for elders. So all that means is we have elders. Dave is one of the elders. So the first group this is speaking to are leaders in the church But I do want to broaden this because we are all eavesdropping into this, that what applies to the leaders also applies to all of us, that they're called to, we're called to care for the church, but all of us, by extension, we follow and imitate our leaders. And we get to read this sermon that Paul gave to these leaders, and he says, I need you to pay careful attention to the flock which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Episcopos is the word there if you grew up Episcopal. So the elders are called to Episcopos or bishop. I don't need to get into it, but the elders did all of the bishoping in the early church, right? They were the same group. And so here they are, and they are also the shepherds because we are described here as the shepherds are pastors and elders are providing oversight. We are to watch over the flock of God. And in Psalm 100, which was our scripture reading and Uh, Esteban also opened with it as well. We're to give thanks to the Lord, and we're described as the sheep of his pasture. And this pastoral language is all throughout your Bible. So if you're new to Christianity, it might jar you at first, because now we're talking about churches. In a moment over here, now we're talking about flocks and sheep. Like, what is going on here? (laughs) 
What you need to understand is the whole Bible was birthed out of this pastoral setting. Moses was a shepherd. Abraham, the father of the faith, had a huge flock. His wealth was defined by his sheep, right? These shepherd imagery was built and baked in to the leadership of God's people, the Old Testament church. The prophet Amos, we're reading through the Bible together. You guys read through Amos, right? Those of you who are following along, he was a, he was a shepherd, right? Even David, King David, the mighty King David, right? When he killed Goliath and he stood before Saul to defend the fact that he could go up against this giant, he says, I'm a shepherd. When a bear comes in or one of these ferocious wolves comes in and he takes one of the sheep, I chase him down, I beat him up, I open his jaws, I rescue the sheep, and then if he tries to do it again, I kill the bear. Saul says, have at it. (laughs) You can go after Goliath then. And so throughout our Bibles, God's people now become identified not only with their leaders as pastors, that's why we call the office that I occupy the pastor, it's a shepherd language, right? Shepherds to take care of the flock, the sheep, which is God's people. It's not just the leaders, it's God himself. One of our favorite Psalms, Psalm 23, right? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, right? This whole imagery, this pastoral language is put in here. And the thing that God says to us through his word, if we want to care for the church of God, then we will care for the flock of God. Take care, he says, pay careful attention to all the flock, the flock which he purchased the church of God with his own blood. We see how valuable the flock of God is to the Father because he purchased us. He purchased us with the blood of his own son. And this is the one drawing spot I hit last week where Paul goes right at it and through the incarnation, he says, the blood of God. Do you see that? He says, he purchased you with his own blood. God in human flesh bore your sins away on the cross and purchased you the blood of God shed for you. No greater greater price could be paid. Nothing more valuable could be offered to ransom you for God as one of his sheep, sheep of his flock. And so Paul says, this church is so precious. This flock is so precious to God. We are called to not only take care of ourselves, we're called to take care of his flock. He gets into some pretty scary language in here, the imagery of us as sheep and then ferocious wolves coming in to attack the church. Now this has immediate application in their setting in Ephesus because he already, the Holy Spirit's communicated to him that from among their own selves, not just from outside, did you notice that? We're always as Christians looking for the threats outside, you know, those people out there and look at where the world is going. Paul says, yes, threats will come from without, but this is the scarier thing he draws our attention to. From within your own selves, this very group of leaders that he is preaching to, he says, some of you are going to be the wolves. And that should be very sobering for every one of us. Because if we've been around in churches long enough, we know that sometimes the threats come from within, not only from within the congregation, sometimes from within ourselves. 
Jesus warned against false prophets. He picked up the same theme. He says, they come in wolves dressed in sheep's clothing. So this is not a new theme that Paul is introducing. He is picking up the same theme of our Lord Jesus Christ and saying, be careful. Examine yourselves. Look out for the threats from within. These individuals will speak twisted things, we're told. And this is the other way that you could discover a wolf, whether they're in sheep's clothing or not. Twisted things. We're not looking for new novel things in Christianity, all right? Well, I never heard it that way before, right? The straight path of the Lord, if they are making it crooked or or twisting it. But also, here's the other clue. He says, they will draw away disciples after themselves. One of the spirits that will creep into the church, this wolf-like spirit, this ferocious spirit, is when somebody elevates themselves to move people, to move the sheep, to move disciples away from Christ, away from his church, to follow them. If you find a very charismatic leader, I thank God for charismatic preachers, including Paul himself, right? We want to preach the word boldly and confidently and precisely. But if you find somebody building a movement around their own ego, around their own identity, and then bringing people to follow them, you see leaders dividing churches over themselves. How many of you have seen that? I don't know if it's a 100% application, but this spirit of the wolf comes back over and over in our churches. And we as Christians, we want to do everything that we can to follow Jesus, not people. Follow Jesus. Follow the straight path of Christ, not the twisted paths of novelty and new ideas. And we want to unify the church. We want to hold the church together, never to elevate ourselves or leaders to divide the church. Paul says, be alert, verse 31. He says, pay careful attention, verse 28. And he begins not only, we're really not first with paying attention to the flock. Look again at verse 28. He says, pay careful attention to yourselves. Pay careful attention to yourselves. Chrysostom, he's one of the early church fathers, 4th century, he commented on this, a great theologian. He says this regarding pay careful attention to yourselves. He says this, pay careful attention to yourselves, not because our own salvation is more precious than that of the flock, but because when we attend to ourselves, the flock also benefits. Pay careful attention to yourself. And again, this was given to leaders, so I want to speak to the whole church, regardless of whether you're a leader or one of the sheep in the flock, so to speak. We can all participate in this exhortation to pay careful attention to yourself. Because again, our our tendency is always to look for the threat outside. Who's that person going to be? Or I wonder if that person's a threat. I wonder if this threat's going to come in. Let's just look at ourselves. There's enough indwelling sin in all of our souls. The enemy knows his tactics and how to get to us and exploit and expose us and make us vulnerable and to become that beachhead, if you will, into our lives and into the church. If we all do well to pay careful attention to ourselves, that we're not bringing some twisted beliefs into the church, that we're not trying to build a following after ourselves, that's half the battle. That's half the battle because we are taking a watch 
on ourselves, shepherding our own souls, and for the leaders of our church, our elders, our deacon, our staff especially, may we watch our own souls because who we are, the people become. Our example is one of the most important things we have to offer, and it preaches. And so may we as a church obey the exhortation of Paul inspired by the Holy Spirit here to pay careful attention to ourselves. That is the way that we care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. John chapter 10, Jesus says that he is the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He says a hired hand won't do that. A hired hand, when they see danger, they flee, they run because they care nothing for the sheep. But he says, me, Jesus, I'm the good shepherd. I lay down my life for my sheep. Jesus loves you. Jesus laid down his life for you. Jesus spilled his blood to purchase you, to place you into the church of God, to make you part of the flock of God. You are precious to Jesus. You are precious to God. You are precious to us, the leaders of this church, and we are precious to one another. So the first way that we can take care, the first way that we can take care of the church of God is to protect his flock. Amen? Secondly, the second way we care for the church is we commend God's word. We commend God's word. Verse 32 Verse 32, Paul continues, And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Now, I love verse 32 because up to verse 31, it's getting pretty depressing as the sermon is coming to a conclusion, right? You're like, okay, he loves them. He poured out his life. He gave us a great example, but... Wolves are going to come in. By the way, you're the wolves, and it's going to be ferocious, twisted things, led astray, the end, right? Now, all of a sudden, he pivots fast, and he pivots hard on verse 32. He says, though sin be deceitful, though leaders be treacherous and sometimes try to draw you astray, there is a place to put your hope church. There is a place to put your confidence, and it's not in the Apostle Paul, and it's not in the Ephesian elders. The Ephesian elders, Paul commends to this as well as all of us. He says, I commend to you God. I commend to you God and the word of his grace, which is able to build you up, give you the inheritance among those who are sanctified. He says, even though people be unreliable, God is always reliable and his word can always be trusted. And so he commends them back to God. He says, I'm leaving. You'll never see my face ever again. Things are going to get hard. Be on guard. Be watchful. Examine yourself. Be alert. But ultimately, be commended. Be commended back to God and the word of his grace. The word of God he holds forth here. He holds the word of God forth for us as a, a blazing ray of light in hope into this dire situation that he's just painted a picture with his words. He says there's a place where light will break into this darkness and it is the grace of God. It is the word of God. It is God himself. He says the efficacy of the word, look at it again, is to build you up. 
God's word was given to build you up. Did you know that? God's word was given to strengthen you. God's word was given to build you like a house into a holy temple for the Lord. God's word is never meant to tear you down. If somebody uses the word of God to abuse you, they're mishandling the word of God because God's word was used to build you up. He also says God's word is sufficient to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. The inheritance is none other than God himself, eternal life, heaven. All of the promises of God are summed up in that inheritance which becomes yours. Jesus purchased you this great wealth on the cross and it becomes your inheritance as a son and daughter of the most high God. It is kept in heaven for you and the word of God safely brings you to this inheritance and he describes the church. Now he moves from sheep language to those who are sanctified. Sanctification has to do with holiness, being set apart unto God. He says, God's word builds you up, it gives you the inheritance, and it sets you apart for God now and forever as one of his holy saints. All of this is done not by the leaders in the church, not by Paul, not by elders or by deacons, not by bishops, not by fill in the blank. He commends them to God, to God and the word of his grace. God's word is so precious. Do you know that? God's word is one of the greatest ways that you can protect and take care of the church of God. It's one of the reasons that I'm so excited that many of you are reading through the Bible with us this whole year. We've been going through the Bible with a Bible reading plan in the U version. If you have the U version app, we're doing this Bible reading plan called For the Love of God. And next year, I want to show you this. We are going to be doing uh, a Bible reading plan together. This is the first time I'm announcing it. Jump over, guys, to the picture of the Bible reading project here. This is a Bible reading plan with version and the Bible project. Is it on the screen, guys? Jump past the quote or the pictures there to the next one. The video that you watched a little bit earlier was out of the Bible project. It was pretty good, right? Gives you a quick summary of that section of the book of Acts. They have a hun- over 150 of those videos. They're about five minutes long. This next year, starting January 1st, we are going to start going verse by verse through the Bible in our homes using the version app with this version that we will email the link to you. And there will be these videos, no more than one a day. About every two or three days, there'll be another video to help you understand how the Bible fits together and points to Jesus. And so I'm excited to do this because one of the greatest gifts that we as leaders, me as Pastor Shepherd, as the elders of the church can provide for you is to build you not into us long-term because you might move one day, is to build you into God and into his word so that wherever you go, the church of God and the flock of God is protected by the word of God, by God himself and his grace. And so as long as you're at Manoa Community Church, we're going to do everything we can to get you into his word because it'll be a protection and a safety for your soul. And it will build you up. It will build you up and prepare you for the inheritance that God has purchased for you through the blood of Christ. Yesterday, so be looking for that. By the way, in December, every week in the Manoa Memo, 
we will email you the link. All you have to do is download the Uversion app on your phone or tablet, and then click that link. It will subscribe you. It'll keep us on the same pace together, and we can always write comments then to one another at the end of our reading and share what we're learning together. Pastor Ron, by the way, kudos gets the, the most faithful to comment. <laughs> Every morning around 5 a.m. or earlier, he's already writing and praying over us. And so it's a great place for us to meet virtually throughout the week. Before we go to our third point, I also want to show you some pictures from our leadership retreat yesterday. Uh, the elders, the deacons, the staff, and some of our ministry team leaders got away for a retreat. We do this every year in November, as well as some of the upcoming elders and deacons who the nominating committee of our congregation has chosen. They shared their testimony yesterday. One of the highlights for me was when Mary and Chris McCaffrey prayed over the slate of upcoming nominees, and they both started to shed tears. Chris is one of our elders. Mary's one of our deacons, and prayed over them that they would stay faithful to the word of God. And what has protected this church for decades since it was planted in 1940 is there's been an unbroken, uncompromising commitment to the Word of God represented not only in the pastors of this church, but in the leaders of this church. There are a lot of buildings in Delaware County of church buildings that are empty right now that have abandoned the Word of God a long time ago. But I believe that God is renewing and revitalizing Manoa Community Church, and that is because this church has remained faithful to the Word of God. And if you want to see your life build up, if you want to be spiritually mature, if you want to see the flock of God cared for, you will commend one another right back to God and to the Word of His grace because the Word of God is faithful. It will build you up. Do you believe that, church? The word of God is sufficient. We will always preach the word of God here. We will always be faithful to the word of God here. And we will always teach you how to access the word of God. Because the word of God is clear. You don't need me and Ron. You can learn to read it for yourselves. Our job, though we are called to pastor you, is also to train you so that you can become self feeding Christians, accessing the word of God for yourself. Three ways to care for the church. First, we protect God's flock, beginning with ourselves. We examine ourselves. Secondly, we commend God's word. Our confidence is in God and the word of his grace. Not ultimately in people, but in Christ alone. Thirdly, we protect and care for the church of God by helping God's saints. To care for the church, we help God's saints. Verses 33 through 35. Paul now transitions from this commendation to God and the word of his grace and says, verse 33, back to his example. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all these things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And then they pray together, cry together, and say their farewells. The final thing that Paul concludes this sermon to these leaders on to care for the church of God, he opens, if you remember from our first sermon, he says, 
Verse 18, you yourselves know how I lived among you. He started with his example of how he lived, and he concludes with his example of how he lived. Earlier, he talks about how he was faithful. He did not shrink back from declaring the word of God. Here he goes, and he shows his motive for why he was ministering to them in the first place. He says, you remember, I was not in it for money, right? Isn't that what he says? He says, I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. And then verse 34, he says that he ministered to his own necessities. Here's what he said. You watched it in the video. Paul was a tent maker or a leather maker. He was a missionary. When he would break new ground, he wouldn't go in there and pass the offering plate to say, take care of me. I'm preaching the word, take care of me. Now, Ministers, he said, are allowed to raise support. In fact, he raised support from other places. But he says here, you remember, I didn't come into Ephesus trying to shake you upside down to get the quarters out of your pockets, all right? I took care of my own needs. And all of this was an example for you in the church to show you how we ought to treat one another in the church. We're not supposed to go to church saying, what do I get out of this? How do I get more for me out of this? Rather, we're supposed to say, what do I give to others? How do I help the weak, right? That's what he says in verse 35. I worked hard in this way. We must help the weak. And then he quotes the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Do you see this at the end of verse 35? And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. How many of you heard that before? Raise your hand. More blessed to give than receive. Most of us. Even if you're not a Christian, you probably heard of that. Did you know Jesus is not recorded saying this in any of your Gospels? This is the only place in our Bible where this oral tradition of Jesus saying this is preserved in Holy Writ, in Holy Scripture for us. The Apostle Paul's sermon protects and guards it. And I'm so glad I'm so glad that this teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ has been preserved in this sermon because it resonates with every human heart, every human soul. In fact, I'd say there's probably a number of unbelievers who just grabbed it as a truism, right, for life because it's one thing to get and to receive, but there's something so rewarding about giving, about helping other people, giving our lives away for the good of others, especially to help the weak. But we don't do that as a way to earn our salvation. We don't do that as a way to earn our inheritance into heaven. We do that because we've been purchased by the blood of Christ. We are wealthy in Jesus. And now we come to this place. We come to the church. And we don't come to the church as consumers saying, what can I get? What more can I get from this place? How can I get everything out of this? How can I come every week and give nothing? Oh, they're looking for help. Volunteers, hide me. Offering boxes, invisible, right? Paul says, I was in it for the right reason. I was in it not for what I can get out of you, but what I could give to you. Do you look at your faith and spirituality? Now, we are blessed, amen? We are super blessed. We are super blessed even when we give. So there is a self-interest in here where Paul is exhorting back to Jesus. He says, here's where the real blessing comes. When you give, that's where God's blessing is the greatest. But we, in our fallen state, we flip it around. He said, more blessed to receive than to give, right? I'm here to get. He said, no, 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 turn that on its head. If you want to care for the church, 
You will give yourself to the church. You will give of your gifts. You will give of your time. You will give of your talents. You'll give of your money. Now, if you are here this morning and you are weak and you are broken and you are broke, don't hear what I'm not saying. We are supposed to help you. and We're not looking to get every... If you're here today and I want you to write this down, you need help, email help at manoa.org. We literally have funds that the church gives to help people who are struggling. If you're out of work, if you're behind on your rent, our deacons will meet with you and evaluate how they can help you the best. Help at Manoa.org. So we're not just a church that, okay, assumes everybody is strong, and if you're here listening to me today, you're in a position of strength to give. No, no, no. Paul says he was strong, and he brought his strength to help the weak. And that's the kind of church we want to be. That if you come here in a broken place, we don't say, get to work, right? We say, come in. Here's a season of healing ahead. How can we help you? And then when you're in a position of strength where you can give it back and say, now I can help other people in their moments of weakness as well. One of the ways we protect the church, we care for the church, is we follow the example of the Apostle Paul where we're not in it for what we get, but we're in it for what we give. You know, there's the old rule or saying the 80-20 rule. You guys ever hear that? Like 20% of the people are doing 80% of the heavy lifting, whether it's through giving, whether it's through serving. Some churches, it's even the 90-10 rule, like 10% are doing 90%. We don't want to be an 80-20 church. We don't want to be a 90-10 church. We want to be a 100% all-in church. Many hands make light work, and as we all lift together, as we all serve together, when I am down, you pick me up and This is not corrective, by the way. You guys are great at this. My wife has been sick. You guys have been dropping off meals heroically when we've been in a position of weakness. You've come along and strengthened us. I heard of a group of men in our church just the other Saturday went to one of the sisters in the church and painted the interior of her house. Why? Because she needed help. And the guys rose up and said, we'll help. When you heard about the Afghan refugees, this church raised hundreds, if not thousands of dollars of resources, of kitchen kits, of bedroom supplies. The Operation Christmas Child that we just wrapped up, people kept coming saying, where's the boxes? We need more boxes because you guys took all the boxes and you filled them up at the same time when we had this uh, big outreach here with the trunk or treat and you guys brought more candy than we could give away and we gave out to hundreds of kids. Amen. You guys are doing an awesome job at this. So I don't want you to hear a rebuke in this. Paul sets an example, and may we follow him. In the season of Thanksgiving and abundance, may we be known as a church when people come in that we are givers, that we are givers, that we lift people up, that we build other people up, and that all hands on deck. This is not a church where a few people are crushed by the needs of the many. But the resources of the many support the needs of the few. And that we lift each other up to positions of strength to one another. Amen? I do also want to thank you, church. A couple months ago back, I preached about how our giving was flat from the year prior. And you all have jumped in. We're now projected to bring in a significant more amount of money than we did the year prior. And yeah, praise the Lord. It's not for me. That's for the glory of God and for you. And thank you, especially for those of you who set up recurring giving. 
Because that way, the financial committee can see the resources that are coming in an ongoing way and to budget accordingly. At the end of January, we will be rolling out the new fiscal year budget for you all, but because of your generosity, it allows us to do more in evangelism, more in missions, more in all the cool things that are happening in this church. We don't want to level off. We are growing and we are going, and it happens because people come in here and they say, I want to give. I want to be a part of the mission of God. I want to build the church of God here in Havertown, greater Philadelphia, and to the ends of the earth. It is more blessed to give than to receive. We care about the church of God. Why do we care about the church of God? Because God cares about us. You are the church of God. I am the church of God. We are the church of God. It is not the building. It is you, the sheep. It is you, the flock. And he has purchased you with his blood. And because he has placed the greatest price upon your lives, it shows that he cares for you more than anything else in this world, his people. We care for you more than anything else in this world. May we be a church like our Lord Jesus that gives. May we be like that good shepherd who lays down our lives for the good of the sheep, for the good of one another. And as we enter into this holiday season, Thanksgiving ahead and Christmas right around the corner, we remember the greatest gift that God has ever given, the gift of himself to ransom and redeem the flock of God throughout all the world. Church, in this farewell address, take care. Take care of God's church. Amen. Let's stand. Well, Father God, we thank you that we are so invaluably precious to you that you purchased us with your own blood. And God, as we enter into the holiday season before us in Advent and the gift of light and life in Jesus Christ, may we never grow tired of hearing the old, old story that the Son of God put on flesh and shed his blood so that we would become your people and the sheep of your pasture. God, may we take care of the church of God. May we take care of one another. Lord, if any of us come into this place with selfish hearts, looking to get first and not to give, change our hearts. May we be the more blessed ones that the Lord Jesus predicted who give first rather than look to get and to receive. If you're here this morning and have not trusted in the Good Shepherd, by faith in Jesus, that inheritance in heaven becomes yours. The forgiveness of sins becomes yours. All it requires for you to do is to acknowledge your sin, to repent and place your faith in Jesus. You can do that right now. Say something like this in your heart to him. Say, Jesus, I am a sinner. I confess my, my selfishness. I confess, God, that I've believed twisted things. Lord, I confess that there's times where I try to build a following around myself and not around you. For all the public and the hidden sins, Lord, I now lay them at the foot of the cross. Thank you for your blood, God, that was shed to purchase me. Thank you for your love. Greater love has none than this than a man lay down his life for his friends. Thank you for laying down your life for me. Thank you for making me your friend. Thank you for making me your son or your daughter. Thank you for granting me the gift of everlasting life. 
Thank you for sanctifying me and setting me apart as one of your saints. Thank you for an inheritance that will never pass away. And for the whole church, Lord, we thank you that your word is trustworthy. May we be commended to your word day by day and to the word of your grace and to none other than you, God, that God, you yourself would be our trust. You yourself would be our home. You yourself would be our overseer. You yourself would be our good shepherd. Protect us, we pray, in Christ Jesus' name. Amen.